Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Fernando. I'm Randy. And this is the Dealing With Life Stuff podcast. Uh, this is a continuation to a conversation that we've had. And uh, we hope you enjoy the the episode. And I hope you guys are safe. Yep. Please uh, please stay safe out there. Protect yourself. Protect other people. And let's get through this together. Yeah. Well, it's like one of my, one of my closest friends, I bought them two books, I think, two years ago. And they told me the other day that they still haven't read them. And I'm like, all right, well that's on you <laughs> and they tell me like oh i really want to read more and i'm like okay we'll stop watching netflix and read instead and it's just like it's just know, not a in one ear and out the other <laughs> like all right cool i'm telling you how to do it but you don't want to listen so they want to read more yeah they don't want to be a reader yeah yeah yeah, right? yeah so we talked about this earlier you have to make your identity yeah. to fit that habit you which want is, which is crazy right because like yeah because you can be someone who goes to the gym versus someone who stays healthy. Yeah. Or I'm a fitness dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've, I've thought about that. Or even like, I think that's why a lot of people get super into CrossFit because now you're a CrossFitter and you have this community of other CrossFitters. And so you guys end up talking about CrossFit a lot. Like I've, I've been there. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a really good time. Uh, and you, like I have some like close, like I've made some really close friendships through CrossFit. Yeah. Uh, and just being in that environment, because now it's now it's not only am I a CrossFitter, but I'm in an environment of other CrossFitters who are supportive of being CrossFitters. So, but if you break it down, CrossFit is still about health and fitness. So it's not a bad thing at all. You're all being supportive of having a, a healthy and fit lifestyle. And you're all going through trauma together. Yeah. And I think like that's what brings people the closest together, yeah, both in a positive and negative way. Because like a problem, you can have a... a you can have a, a group of victims who all get together and talk about the problem and how everything is bad. Yeah. And then you have a people who are a group of people who want to fix the problem and they all come up with solutions, but that brings them together, binds them together. Yeah. Like I've come to so many workouts the next day where I'm like, bro, I am fucked up from yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and it, we just, but like, you're there the following day. Yeah. And we all just kind of joke about it and be like, oh yeah, dude, my legs are so sore from all those wall balls. And it's, it's kind of fun and it's bonding in that sense. Yeah. So, because yeah. you're cause you're going through something together, right? And I think, like the physical, like the physical um, challenges that it brings to you as an individual, mm-hmm. like it, I don't know, like the gym and and just fitness in general, like it it brings a lot of like trauma to light, mm-hmm. and like a lot of the tribulations that we go through in life and like the issues that we have. Something about the physical exercise, because I love the feeling of of not being able to do that last rep. Mm-hmm. Like I, I crave that feeling, right? Because, mm. but it, br- it brings a lot of issues that I had throughout my life to light, and I don't know why that is. But mm. for me, like that's that's kind of what attracts me so much to fitness and like lifting weights and that kind of thing. Because as I'm as I'm going through a rep, like bench pressing or whatever, mm-hmm. like that last rep reminds me of like being bullied as a kid, mm. um, and like how I couldn't do anything and how I felt like, um, like the best way for me to explain what I'm trying to say is like the the sports movies with the underdog story. Mm. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. For me, weightlifting is, it's very much a vanity thing for me, but and it's vanity and self-confidence at the same time. Because like when I see myself with a pump, it's like, cool. Yeah. Like I'm making progress. Like this is the person I want to be. I look good and I'm proud of how I look right now. And of course it wasn't always like that. Like I should, when I was 300 pounds, it wasn't like that. But, um, but now that I'm a pretty healthy and fit individual i'm like i'll i'll be like yeah i'm proud of this body i've i've worked my ass off for 
and it's very rewarding just to be able to see that in the mirror like with a pump and or you know you you're working out knowing that this is what i'm cultivating but again that's the long-term reward and like i didn't you don't get the long-term reward up front it's over a long period of time yeah and so like that's that's Randy version 1,389 yeah. looking in the mirror. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest, because like this is the biggest thing that I deal with, is like seeing, you know, Fernando version 2,000 whatever, mm-hmm. and then trying to compare that to Randy version 1,000 whatever. <laughs> it's like, fuck, I'm not even there yet. <laughs> and I'm like this much older and this much this and this much that. But at the end of the day, like you can't compare yourself, right? Right. Like I think if you can develop, you know, this idea of being happy with who you are now, Mm-hmm. wanting to be a better version of yourself tomorrow but never comparing yourself to anybody else right like that's like the the, the holy grail yeah like you mentioned like if you compared yourself to me but i could compare myself to uh someone who grew up in beverly hills has a ton of money is you know super yeah. attractive super fit and i'll be like well why don't i have that well, like that's not fair that's not apples to apples like you can only com- in my opinion you can only compare yourself to previous versions of yourself yeah and that's it that's it because even if you compare yourself to the people who grew up in the same hood mm-hmm. who had similar parents like it's still not the same thing yeah cuz you're different people you think about things differently um you might have a lot in common but at the end of the day we're all individuals which is crazy to think right like yeah it's i was listening to a podcast a few days ago and uh like, I'm going to give this example. Like, you could have the same people grow up in the same hood. They do the exact same thing. But one one of the per- people, like, one apartment had fleas. Another apartment didn't have fleas. Mm-hmm. Just the idea of them having fleas creates this, this di- completely different perspective of the individual. Yeah. Now, the reason why this is important, because a person who had fleas in their house would never want to be home. and would mm-hmm. always be away from home working. Yeah. Because the idea of going back home brought so much, like, physical pain because of the fleas would bite bite their little legs or whatever right yeah it's completely embarrassing but that little thing that happened in that house completely made another person ha- create this ambition of wanting to have stronger work ethic and a bunch of other things yeah yeah or, something so simple can change you completely yeah well imagine like to that point even and back to habits maybe if you were home you would develop a bad habit but because or maybe you did have a bad habit and then the fleas came through and then you're like well i want to be out and do other stuff well now you've cultivated good habits uh based on um not wanting to be around the thing not being wanting to be around things not wanting to be around your bad habits because of some other external factor and that's kind of a way to break bad habits is make them unattractive and so in that instance, your bad habits are now stopped by fleas. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? Like yeah. this guy ended up becoming a billionaire. Mm. Like through the the work ethic that he built. And granted it wasn't the fleas, right? Don't yeah. go and guard get fleas. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like the I mean Gary V talks about this like all the time, like I don't know what the percentage is, like a billion and something chances to one yeah, of tr- you being a human. It's like a ten trillion to one. Yeah, ten trillion to one. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Well, even think about it in the context of, you know, there are 12 billion years before you were even born and they're going to be like an infinite number uh, after. And we're just a blip on the radar and (laughs) we don't have a lot of time by that comparison. So you've got to, in my opinion, you need to make the most of it that you can. And I'm, I'm a person who is very much right now, at least I'm very much like at some point my life is going to suck more. Would I rather it suck more now or suck more later? And I'm like, well, let's just get it out of the way. And even, and I know internally that 
by doing that process and letting my doing the hard things now, it not only per- sets myself up to enjoy more good things later, but I've also instilled enough resilience and good habits to deal with even harder things down the road. So not only do I get the be- or not only do I get good things, I can now handle harder things. So I get the best of both worlds. And that's how I look at it. Like if I looked, if I, if my 19 year old self, let's say 18 year old self saw the shit I have to deal with now, they'd be like, that's impossible. There's no way. But right now, even for me, I'm like, I'm confident I can do this. It's going to be very hard, but I'm confident in myself because, because I've climbed this ladder as far as I have. Cause you've gotten yourself to that point. Yeah. And it's incremental growth, right. not overnight growth. And the idea of looking up the stairs and saying, I have to jump 10 stairs to get there. It's like, fuck that. No, no, no. You're the next step. Okay. Right. Well, what's the next step? Great. I've done this. What's the next step? Right. And, uh, and it's the same thing with the book that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Same thing with weight loss. Yeah. Like the idea of overcoming the 60 pound weight loss at the top of the staircase. Like that's impossible. Like mm-hmm. I can't fucking do that. Yeah. Well, and I like, uh, a lot of people have talked about it, but I'm specifically thinking of Lane Norton. When he talks about people that want to lose weight, you have to remember how long it took you to put on that weight. Yeah. And it's going to, it's going to take a while to take it and off. And it's the same too. idea with like, if you're a 30 year old or a 25 year old and you've never read, mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've read to get to a point where you are in life, but if you've never had a habit of being a reader and you yeah. identify as a reader, like what makes you think that you're going to be able to flip the switch and say, Okay, now I'm gonna read. I'm gonna spend three hours a, a weekend, you know, mm. reading a whole book or reading six hours a week, yeah, um, to finish a book a week or whatever. Like, that's not gonna happen overnight. No. Like the the, like, now, you, I don't know. People say it's easy to read, mm. like it's you're just reading, but like, the amount of patience you fucking develop. Yeah. Well, and it also depends on what you're reading too, yeah. because like, you could make the argument that I'm reading the news, I'm reading these articles, but they're short, they're sweet, they're to the point versus I'm reading a book with a lot of content. And I mean, I get to points where I'm reading where I'll be like, wait, I didn't, I don't, I didn't retain any of what I just read. Like I, those words are gone. I don't know what I just read. That's an interesting point to get to where you're just like, you, you know, like your eyes passed over the words, but you're just like, wait, what just happened? And you have to start back over. Um, and you don't get that by reading an article usually. Yeah. And that developing that skill of being able to go to recognize like, wait, I didn't retain that and go back. Well, that transfers over to so much else. Like, I think because of my habit in reading, it's taught me to get over my my, I guess, uh, shyness in asking questions because yeah, I'll, that's huge, man. I'll be in like, uh, you know, I'll be listening to something or supposed to be learning something from somebody and then or they're teaching me something and I'll be like, wait, sorry, I, I blanked out there for a second. Can you repeat that? I was thinking about something else. Um, and having the the humility to be like, dude, I fucked up, man. I started, I started thinking about star Wars. I need to, I need you to repeat that. Yeah. But a lot of people don't have that humility, but I think reading has helped me develop that. And then like, yeah, cause it's funny. Cause as you were talking about that, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Mm. And on top of that, like reading, has helped me become a better listener. Yeah. So like the same way you're sharing, like, hey, I didn't get that part. It's also helped me with listening. Yeah. Because 
before I used to listen, but I wasn't an active listener. Yeah. Um, active. And, yeah. That's a great way like, to put it. And then the, for me, like when we started this podcast, like even this podcast has been a huge asset to me. Right. Yeah. Um, when we started this podcast, like you would say something and I'd be listening, but I'd be thinking about what else can I add to this conversation? Because mm-hmm. my fear was like, okay, I don't want this to go stale. I don't want to just like have a super long, awkward silence of like yeah. saying, okay, so what's next? Mm-hmm. So I was, I was thinking about like, what do I say next to that? Yeah. And I almost caught myself a minute ago thinking about like the book, because I just finished Meditations, right? I was mm-hmm. thinking about that. But going back to what we were talking about, like I was like, Fernando, Randy's talking about really good stuff. You're like, <laughs> shut the hell up and just listen to what he's saying. Yeah. And once he's done, we can move on to the next thing. But to your point, like reading has helped me develop that skill of saying, focus on what's going on now. You can worry about everything else later. Yeah. Well, I think that transfers over to a lot of things in, outside of skills, like even relationships. Like if I'm having lunch with somebody and they're telling me about some part of their life and I get sidetracked, I'll be like, I'll be like, well, hold on. I could like, hold on. Tell me about that again. Like I, I didn't quite catch that. What do you mean by this? Um, and it makes conversation more intriguing because now, you know, like now the person across from you knows that you are actively trying to listen and that you are really engaging in this conversation versus just being like, mm-hmm, mm, yeah, mm, cool. Like you being able to be like, wait, 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 what was what? that? Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Back up, back up. <laughs> and like, it also helps you develop that emotional like intelligence, right? Because if you, and again, you saying that, me saying that, like it depends on who we say it to. Because mm-hmm. the sad part is, you know, you could be actively listening to someone and the fact that you want them to repeat it is going to make this other person bring all of their insecurities up to light and say, wait, why, why do you want me to repeat myself? Were you not listening? This whole time you weren't listening? Okay, repeat what you what I just said. Like, mm-hmm. And it just becomes this vicious cycle of nothing yeah. um, on top of the fact that like the, the other person like may not be at an emotional place like yourself mm-hmm. to where they're going to be um, uh, what's, uh, mature enough to say, you know what? He's asking me to repeat what I just said. Mm-hmm. I'm going to swallow my ego and I'm going to have this conversation. Yeah. You know, I don't think that's ever, I think that's the exception rather than the norm because most people, when I've done that, they seem more engaged in the conversation that I would have enough, um, you know, interest in them for, to ask them to I repeat. I feel like it. I've had bad luck then. Cause to me it's like 50, 50. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. No, I, I've definitely been, I think fortunate to meet people. Yeah. I'm like, wait, you did what? I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. And maybe it's how I phrase it too, because that's generally how I do it. So, a little insider tip for how Randy handles conversation. If I ask you, I didn't. If I say I didn't catch that, it means I started thinking about something yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but like, yeah, like I've. That's one thing that people. Like, there's there's things that people tell me like, hey, I, I wish I could. I really appreciate that you could do this. So like, there's one thing, and that's one of them, mm-hmm. right? People say to me like, hey, I really admire the fact that you humble yourself to the point where you can say, I don't know something. Mm-hmm. And the, the people like really, str- the people who tell me this struggle with being able to like, will that be the ego it getting in the way or whatever the case is of them not being able to admit they don't know something. Yeah. And for me, like that's something that I, ha- I had to grow up with because, you know, being dyslexic, I didn't, I didn't understand shit. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't speak up, I would never get it because no one wasn't explaining to me. Yeah. I've had a few great mentors who have taught me that it's, whatever you say it needs to be the truth and you need to say the truth confidently so if you don't know you need to say confidently that i don't know versus like giving some half-assed response that you're just kind of winging you either know it or you don't 
yeah. and you need to be honest about it. So this is an interesting topic, right? Because from a corporate environment, a corporate perspective, like I've mentored individuals who, who tell me like, Fernando, I'm scared of saying I don't know something because they're going to fire me because mm. I'm supposed to know this by now. I'm like, but you don't. Yeah, but I'm supposed to. I'm like, well, then learn it or you just say you don't know. Yeah, it. or go Cause, ask Because here's the thing, like if you really follow that thought process, say you you pretend to know something, you're given a task and then it takes you 10 hours versus six. Mm-hmm. Those four hours of you. Now, here's the thing. You don't not just know something. You're lazy. You're not productive. You're not efficient. Mm-hmm. You're, you're distracted. All these additional labels are going to come with those four hours of work, extra work are going to come with you. Just yep. because you couldn't swallow your pride and your fear of be, of being found out, right? Yeah, and I think the way to approach it when you do realize you don't know something that you think you should know, go ask somebody who does know and say, hey, I don't think I know this as well as I should. Do you mind taking the time to really walk me through this and right. help me understand it? And by saying it that way and being, again, being honest, I think people are very receptive to that and people generally want to help and they'll say, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, they may not have the time at the moment, but they say, yeah, come back at, or let's grab lunch or something, or let's sit down later or send me an invite and we'll do this. Uh, but you have to be willing again, to be honest and say like, man, I, you know, I feel like I should know this. I don't think, I, I don't feel confident that I know this as well as I should. Can you please help me? Or at least share what you do know. Like yeah. if you know a part of it, mm-hmm. like say that. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, on the flip side, like playing stupid doesn't also always work. Right. And I think that's that I think that's what gives everything a bad rap. Right. Mm-hmm. People who who know something but they play stupid because they're trying to get out of something. Mm-hmm. Like those are the ones that, you know, um create issues with, with all of this. Yeah. Um as you were talking about like the whole twelve billion, you know, years before we were here. Yeah. Uh I told you I went on a tangent on my brain, right? Uh-huh. I was listening to, uh, I was, I finished meditations last week. And in one of those lines, it talks about how, like how much life will be after you and how much life was there before you. Mm. And like the concept of memento mori, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people being fearful of what is going to be after death. Yeah. Um, but the same way that we don't know what happens before we were born. Mm-hmm. Like what? I mean, yeah. And what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's where I stand religiously. Like, yeah. I don't know what happened before. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen after. I just know that I'm here. Yeah. All I know is I'm here now. Yeah. So. it's, it's a, That's a crazy thought to me. Like, I, I feel like I had heard that before, but until mm-hmm. I read it, it, it really hit me hard. Like, you know, I, I really believe the whole Memento Mori like, uh, idea, like philosophy, mm-hmm. right? Just like realizing like all of this is going to end, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes like the fear of the unknown of, okay, what does death look like? Mm-hmm. But the reminder of you don't know what what it felt like to be you know not born. Yeah, it's the same feeling. Yep. Yep. And, and that's, that's as simple as that. Yeah, and that's where a lot of people think about the afterlife, and they'll say, okay, well, you know, maybe there's a heaven, maybe there's a hell. Um, and for me, I don't know, and that's that's okay. <laughs> and and I, and I bring that back up, not to go on a tangent, but because we were talking about corporate environments and like the fear of getting fired, right? Mm-hmm. What was it like before you had, didn't have a job? Yeah. What would it be like whenever you don't have a job if you do get fired? Yeah, and that's a really great point because I've thought about that before. I've literally thought about like, okay, well, do you remember what it was like before you had a job? Like, you handled that all right. Like, there's no reason you're not going to be able to handle <laughs> handle it 
or, or not be able to handle it now. Like you already have the good habits in place to get it figured out quickly yeah. and stressing about it's only going to make it worse. And coming full circle to like the whole, like people getting laid off and people, you know, getting for low, mm-hmm. like you didn't have a job before this. Yeah. And now you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's life, you know, and a lot of people might again, play that victim mentality or you could be like, cool, this is a great opportunity for me to toughen up. Um, yeah. And, and also it's a good reminder for some people that you need to have savings and you not need to not be as, uh, um, spending. Uh, there was a word I'm looking for, but it's lost. Frivolous spending. Yeah. 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 F- you need to not be as frivolous with your spending and you need to be more thrifty. Um, like I, how much do I save? I save at least 25% of my income because I'm always like, I need a cushion. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, right. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My goal is to live off half of what I make. Nice. My goal is to just live off cash flow that of assets that I own. Well, that's the ideal goal. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. So that's that's the goal I'm after. But right now, given that I do have a job, mm-hmm. the the uh, the intention is to try to live off of half. Yeah. If if I don't allow, I mean, right now I'm at sixty percent. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I do that is like I don't want my lifestyle to creep yeah. into a point where I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Granted, I'm not necessarily like I'm no longer living paycheck to paycheck, but I want to get to a point where to to your to your point. Um, yeah. I'll get to a point to your to your point. Anyways, uh, where my um, what do we call it? Cash flow mm-hmm. of my investments is 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 my lifestyle. Yeah. And I mean, I uh, I've thought about do I really want to cut some of these expenditures that I have, and a lot of times I'll be like, nah. I'm good. I, I'm comfortable saving as much as I save right now. And other times I'm like, Oh, I'll I'll be more thrifty. And that's okay too, to like fluctuate as long, in my opinion, as long as you have that floor of like, okay, I don't break past this ever. I will always pay myself first. And then if I happen to save more at the end of the month, great. Like last month I lived off 60% of my income just because of, uh, how how the month ended up shaping out and especially being in quarantine helps me definitely helps me save money um but that's not always the case but i always guarantee that i have that floor one thing i'm kind of scared of i mean it's gonna be a good thing for the economy but like people who are gonna like like a yo-yo diet right yeah people they limit themselves from like eating something and then the diet's over and they fucking rebound yeah what that's gonna do for a financial perspective of like the people who felt like they haven't been able to go out drinking. They haven't been able to do this or that. Mm. They're going to come out with a vengeance. Mm, and not hard. And they're going to come in and make up for lost time. Plus them. Um, yeah. But I think the people that are going to do that had a problem to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see all that play. Yeah. Out. I mean, there are plenty of people in uptown Dallas that are $30,000 a year millionaires. So, I mean, those are the people that are hurting yeah. and that are going to continue to hurt and continue to live paycheck to paycheck. I really didn't see that until I got to Dallas. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's everywhere, right? Yeah. But it really hit me hard when I got to Dallas. Yeah. Because, I mean, when I got here, I was still in my, I mean, I'm still in my personal development journey. Mm-hmm. But back in 2015, like, I was still, you know, dealing with a lot of issues. And one of them was that comparison game. Like, mm-hmm. look what I'm driving versus what they're driving. Yeah. Look what they have versus what I have. Look the way they oh, dress. Oh, yeah. You know, I've had, you know, my truck's beat up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and has a bunch of scratches and someone ding my like hit my door and i'm 
I've had people ask me like, why don't you fix it? I'm like, I don't want to spend the money. <laughs> like yeah. who gives a shit? It's just yeah. a truck. But it's, it's simple stuff like that. Like, again, it's superficial, but you know, m- my truck getting stolen mm-hmm. helped me so much in my journey of, of personal development mm-hmm. because like I had my dad's old truck and I sold that with the idea of like, you know what? He'd be proud to help me pay a deposit for a nice truck. Mm-hmm. So I got myself a new truck. And then I traded that truck in for what I thought was going to be like my truck for, you know, a few years, maybe a decade or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was going to drive it to the ground and then it gets stolen. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Okay. So then I lose my dad's truck. I lose the new truck and I lose everything. And I lose like, I think it was like $11,000 in equity. Right. Fuck me. I, I, I'm going to make the argument that you don't ever have equity in the vehicle. Well, true, true. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, to me, it was like an investment. Yeah. Right. So, so without getting into the, the specifics, uh, but what I'm getting at is like, I could have easily said, you know what? I can afford another truck. I'm going to buy another truck. Mm-hmm. But instead of saying, I'm going to buy myself a car that I can just pay off and not really hit. It doesn't impact me, the, the payments that I'm going to make towards this car. Yeah. But driving that little car, the Kia Soul that I'm driving, like it's to a certain point in the beginning, it was very humiliating because you'd be like, how could you be driving that? Is that a loaner? Is that this? Is that that? And like, mm-hmm. no, it's a car that I intentionally bought because yeah. I felt like I it fit, right? Mm-hmm. And so driving at events, People were driving up a nice truck. People were driving up and what I what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I would drive in this fucking Kia Soul. And I just, like, it hit me. Like, shit, like, why, do, why am I driving this when I can afford something else? Mm. But that little car, my car getting stolen, I turned it into a positive thing to say, you know what? You're going to work at getting rid of all the superficial bullshit that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You're going to forget about the way you dress, the way, what you drive. And it's going to help you, remind you that this is just a vehicle to get you to point A to point B. And yeah. it's that simple. Yeah, and... um it's also uh, even like where you live too. Do you really need to live in a high rise in right. downtown, or do you, can you live on the suburb or on the outskirts and save, you know, an extra five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars in rent? Like if I lived in Dallas right now, I you know I, I could afford a really really nice apartment, uh, thankfully, but I choose to keep my rent really low <laughs> because I don't want to pay extra and I want to save more money. Yeah, but delay gratification. Yeah. Like, what are we, what are we going for? And I, th- and I think the reminder of like that reward of what are you, what are you delaying? Right. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people don't have that reward. It's just that instant cue of saying, I need to feel a certain way. And you go into this craving, and like you said, you, you start going through this, through this habit loop and you end up with just doing stupid shit really fast mm-hmm. to get that quick, um, gratification. Yeah. And I think even to the point of working hard at going, circling back to that, the mindset to do away with that superficiality doesn't come overnight either. Like it takes time and constant effort to do that where you're like, all right, yeah, I don't need to upgrade my phone every year. No big deal. Like I had, I just upgraded to the what 11 pro and the la- the last phone I had before that was the iPhone seven. So it was quite a few years since then, but like my, I think my roommate up, upgrades often. He can afford it, but you know, I think I think a lot of people upgrade all the time and they can't afford it really. And that's why I'm like, because they want to keep up. Yeah, because they think they have to keep up with um, their peers or whatever. But everyone's broke, and <laughs> and it doesn't make sense. And uh, I like I have friends even. I saw them go on trips all the time, and I never understood how they could pay for it. And I find out later that, oh, they're just racking up credit card debt. And I'm like, oh, well, all right, cool. That makes me feel way better. Yeah. Uh, cause I thankfully don't have any credit card debt. Uh, I pay my 
I pay my shit off every month. Um, and like the only debt I have is a student loan and I pay that pay down more than the minimum payment yeah. because I want to pay it an investment, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's people who, who argue that, Hey, I'm making an investment in my own emotional health and I have to go on these trips because I'm building networking relationships and all these other things. But yeah, you can, I don't know, you know, (laughs) you can piss and call it rain all you want, but, uh, sometimes it is what it is. Yeah. And some people lie to themselves about it. Yeah. But it is, again, it is what it is. And I, my personal opinion is that, uh, you should save your money and, always try to think about think about the life you want to have in 15 10 years even do you want to have a kid do you want to have a family do you want that family to be worried about money or do you want to be saving now to a point where that's not an issue that's my i've gone into some like not debates like arguments with people about that shit mm. like people people tell me like when you're gonna have a family i'm like i'm not financially ready yet yeah you're never gonna be financially ready i'm like yeah but i can i can make a, a stride in being financially ready yeah but when i do have a kid so in case things happen i at least have something in place right mm-hmm. like yeah but you're never going to really know so why even try i'm like like dude like fuck off right like, <laughs> right i want to go about it this way mm-hmm. i know what it feels like to be poor and have nothing mm-hmm. and i'm not going to take the fucking chance yeah and at the end want, of the day i don't want to do that to, to yeah. a kid like, that like it's not awful. fair right yeah. and and some people argue like well, the only thing that's important is the love you give them, like, right? And I'm not going to give them any love because I'm going to be focused on making money. Yeah. And I'm not going to give them any I'm attention. I'm going to have to work 80-hour right. weeks because I don't have enough right. money. And that's that. the thing, like, delayed gratification. Like, I, I want a kid so bad. Mm. But I know that if I do that now, I'm not going to give that kid, like, what they need. Right. Because right? I'm going to be too focused on thinking of what, what they want. And I know what they really want is love. But at the end of the day, me giving them that love is not going to completely fulfill me. Yeah, because I have I have other other needs as well. Yeah, and I need money for those needs. Right, and plus it also gives you the financial literacy to pass on too, to say like, hey, this is what I went through, and I want you to understand that for when you go through it, and so you can learn to shut out those other voices that are saying, you know, it doesn't matter. That's the hardest thing, like having friends that they're in positions like because they had families. Like, being the first one in your family is fucking tough, man. Mm. Um, and, I mean, you know this very well. Like, having the idea of you're the one starting from scratch. Yep. And so, like, I have friends who their parents had insurances and the whole, whatever the case is. So, they have money that they can fight back on. Mm-hmm. So, they're able to live their paycheck to the 100% because they don't have yeah. to save for more. Right. And, like, that fucking kills me in the sense of, like, I mean, it is what it is, right? Yeah, it's, or, it's life. Yeah, or even they're getting like monetary gifts. Yeah, gifts from parents, like, like they're paying for insurance or phone bill or yeah. something. And I've been completely financially independent since I was nineteen. Yeah, like, and you know, most people don't have that. Yeah, uh, but I think it's a really important skill to develop as quickly as possible. Yeah, but that, that that's like the biggest one that like, I think that's the hardest one from a first generation one of the hardest ones from first generation standpoint mm-hmm. is like being the first one that like, you are the one that has to take the fucking hit. Yeah. Cause I have friends who tell me like, why do you save so much money? And why do you pay for life insurance? And you wouldn't even have kids yet. I'm like, yeah, but I help my mom. This thing were to happen to me and she's screwed. I have to leave her something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then why do you have life insurance? Well, I'm, I'm planning on getting married. 
mm-hmm. and my health is, you know, may, hopefully going to get better. But at the end of yeah. the day, I can lock it in now mm-hmm. and I can start helping my family out. Uh, and the day I do have kids, they're going to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but why are you worried about people who don't exist yet? Because they're going to exist one day. Yeah. And this this idea of financial literacy, like people say, like, you should just use your live your life because you don't know if you're going to die tomorrow. Yeah. And I and I get that. But at the same time, like, what if I do live tomorrow yeah, and the day that, after that? That's not an excuse to act hedonistically yeah. on a regular basis. Like, that's a reminder to say that I should appreciate each day for what it is and not, like, splurge every single day. Like, I'm going to always put my affairs in order every day. Um, but I'm not going to, like, throw all my money away overnight. Like, I could, but <laughs> that sounds a terrible idea because chances are you'll probably make it to tomorrow. Uh, assuming that you're a decently healthy person um, and you can't you can't always live with the expectation that a meteor is going to come and crush you the next in the next 24 hours yeah that's a terrible way to live because you're only paranoid yeah you're gonna die one day regardless like uh stop make stop acting like it's gonna be tomorrow um be prepared to live a long time because you just might yeah it would be it's easier to have been prepared for tomorrow versus uh, easier to have prepared for tomorrow and end up dying tomorrow versus to have not prepared for tomorrow and end up and end up not dying. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Money is one of those, one of those touchy subjects. Yeah. People definitely don't want to talk about money. No. You know, it's interesting. I read a uh, rich dad, poor dad a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a really great book, but it's for me, it was kind of like I didn't really need to read it because I already had a lot of those uh, practices in place. But now I have a really great introductory book for a lot of people that don't have financial literacy, and I plan on gifting that book heavily. Yeah, especially the idea of liabilities. Oh, yeah. And I, the house. Yeah, I really like his point about the house being a liability because. How do you feel about that? uh, I I believe it. It's so true. when I was first studying real estate in college, my professor always said, when you buy a house, you always need to have what's called wham walking around money because you're always going to have shit go wrong with the house that you have to be prepared for. And he's like, you should, um, his mentality. And I'll share this with you guys is you should buy a house every year for five years, live in that house for one year, then go buy your next house and then rent out the previous house to pay down the mortgage and do that for five years, get 15 year mortgages. Well, at the end of 15 years, now you own five houses free and clear, just producing cash flow income for you. Yeah. And that's in essence, the idea of rich dad, poor dad is build enough assets that are cash flowing to you where you don't need to work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the goal for all of us. It should be the goal for yeah. all of us, but it's definitely not. not yeah. And a lot of people don't think about it like that. Wham, money. Yeah. That reminds me of like the the uh, acronym BOAT. Mm. If you buy a boat, BOAT stands for break out another thousand. <laughs> yeah. It's always going to go wrong on that boat. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'd never want to own my own boat. Well, do you hear about you know how much Jerry Jones' new boat costs? Uh-uh. I think it's a million dollars a month to wow. run. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I'm ruin my pants, cat. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to... Oh, that much money. But yeah, the, the idea of money, liabilities, and that kind of thing, like the um, the Richest Man in Babylon is another really good book. Mm-hmm. That one's like really introductory into the idea of having a budget. Mm. Uh, I think it's like 10% pay yourself, 20% is for wants, um, and then the other 70% is focused on like um, 
like lifestyle mm-hmm. right so, mm-hmm. so the idea is it's like having a budget and it, and it makes it very elementary for you to be able mm-hmm. to follow that and it gives you examples so that's a really another introductory book but but yeah like um money is those those topics that like make people feel a certain way because it's a it's a big comparison game yeah and i think the way you manage money is the way you manage your life to a certain extent mm-hmm. um and, and so it, it brings a lot of issues to light and the idea of if you're not uh, diligent enough if you don't have the fortitude to say no to an expense if you're at the mall like what does that say about your relationships right are you going to be yeah. quick to say you know what well fuck you mm-hmm. and you used to do this to me and you used to do that it's like yo chill like yeah. you're having an argument don't bring up the past yeah you know it's funny i i realized this recently but I track my money the same way I track my food. Like I'm very, very diligent about uh, like what food I eat, my macronutrient intake, as well as my money. Like as soon as I spend money, I put it into my budget because I have a I have a budget that's constantly going, but I'm constantly updating with every purchase. I'm I'm basically a very diligent accounting for both my food and my money. But ever since I started doing that, I become a lot better with both, like infinitely better. If you had to say, like, what do they call them in the atomic habits, the keystone habits, or mm. is I that what they call I don't remember. He, I remember he calls it something, but, like, you think there's there's one habit that you would, or one area of life that you would encourage people to follow, like, to ha- that could be a, an instrumental and foundational to a lot of things? Because um, mm. I feel like, for me, a recommendation that I would give is, like if you don't want to listen to any of anything that we're saying, if you can just focus on developing a budget yeah. for your finances, like that could potentially have a lot of yeah lasting I've, effects. I've got three. One is exercise regularly, track your food intake to monitor like monitor your health and fitness, and then track your budget. Because if you do those three things, you if you feel like you're the master of your life. I tell you because like. If you think about how many people around you worry about their weight, worry about their food, worry about their money, you've suddenly mastered those three things, and that's never an issue. And you can, fo- and if you can build that as your habit, well, now you can focus on the harder challenges. Like if you can just get those three done and out of the way, you're in a really great spot. Because it also instills the ability to like have the discipline for anything else you want to do. So let's say you have, you like for me, it started out with exercise i started exercising and tracking my exercise regularly then it became tracking my food and tracking my food regularly uh to get to reach the goals i wanted and then it started tracking my budget and you know started waking up early and you just slowly start adding on more and more productive habits i would i would say i'll give two i would say the first one would be track your money Mm -hmm. um your your expenses your income coming in everything going out uh and the second one is track your time Mm, that's a good one if if think if you can work on those two like it's gonna help you to your point build a lot of skills that you're going to be able to apply in a lot of different areas of your life because mm-hmm. the more you, the, if you can track your um your money like expenses and like income coming in you'll be able to track relationship conversations mm-hmm. like every single time you get into a fight you can try to you know uh figure out things like that right like to mm-hmm. an idea of you'll be able to track um all the different issues that you're having, like positive relationships, negative relationships, positive this, positive that. Mm-hmm. But everything has a pro, everything has a con. So yeah. from a financial perspective, it's easy to put a positive on it because it's, I mean, it's money, right? It's either coming in or it's coming out. But right. 
then that kind of wraps us up for these these last couple of uh, episodes. I think uh, you know that the key the key idea of all of this is like what what are you doing during this time? Um, you know, ideally, we're, this should be the last episode you guys hear during quarantine. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least that's that's our hope uh, of all of this. But we want we want people to get better at, at what they're doing. We yep. want them to grow. We want them to develop themselves. And uh, at the end of the day, gain the perspective that we've been able to gain by you know developing these habits of, of positive habits, uh, going in the right direction, and then also repurposing negative habits mm-hmm. um, into what we're trying to do is, is fix them. Yep. Cool. Well, I guess we'll end cool. it there. Thanks for listening, everyone. You want to do...